Hello, and welcome to episode 95, I hope that's right, of uh, Reviews from the Crawl Space. It's what I wrote down, so it's what we're going with. <laughs> uh, on this show that we call Reviews from the Crawl Space, uh, we go through an inherited vinyl collection, three al albums at random, at a time, and uh, yeah, mixed results. Mixed yeah, results. Sometimes it can be a shit show. <laughs> it's sometimes a shit show, and sometimes you're finding classic gems, little treasures in there. That we never knew existed. L little nuggets that you never knew existed, and that'll end up on our playlist for Spotify. Um, oh, yeah, you're Vicky. I'm Douglas. Uh, Instagram is just the reviews from the crawl space as one word. Now, back episodes, what we're currently working on, it's Pictures there. Pictures of the album covers. P yeah, Cal Thank you for saying that. Yeah, pictures of the album covers because that's really the big part of Instagram. That's yeah. not just what we're working on, but you can see the artwork, and because something we talk about a little yeah. bit here. Yeah, we talk. We talk about the art. Yeah. And and Twitter as well. And Twitter, I mean, it's got that stuff, but it's also you know a little more generalized kind of you know music news going on around the world. Whatever, whatever is striking our fancy at that moment is gets dumped on there. Sometimes, sometimes we ignore it. <laughs> So there was that, and then there was something else I was going to bring up, and I totally forgot. I don't think I did any of the research for it anyway. It probably had to do with uh, had to do with Grand Theft Auto, and we're talking about because we've talked about lots on the show, and just uh, I noticed that online. Oh, hold on a sec. The landlord. The second we put this, as soon as we put the phone down to record, and we recorded on my Google Pixel 4 XL. Um, <laughs> if you want to give us the free stuff there, Google. Uh, so as soon as we put it down and hit record, he fired up the lawnmower because that's what you do just right before it's supposed to rain. Apparently, is and bitches have things to do. And we have things to do. Save that for some other time. That like literally any other time. But that's okay. It's, it's just one of those things we find that it's just that's the way it's gonna go. It's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a weed eater or a lawnmower. Or... And it will just like pass by the windows <laughs> every once in a while. If it was a good stereo mix, you'd be able to hear it pan from left to right constantly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah, what do you got? So this week's on this week's episode, What's this three? we have three albums. The first one's called The Blushing Brides. Mm -hmm. They're an um, album titled Unveiled. And the second one is Southside Johnny and the Asbury Dukes. Asbury Jukes. Jukes. Oh, I keep getting that wrong. Yeah, it's Jukes, not Dukes. Maybe they're Dukes, really. The album's called Love is a Sacrifice. And lastly... Uh, an album by Harry Nelson called Son of Schmilson. Mm -hmm. got, got yeah. three there. Oh, here we go for another pan. Another pan by. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> the Blushing Brides Unveiled. Mm -hmm. um, a Canadian band formed in Kingston, Ontario. Okay. Not a lot of information out there about them, so... Flash in a pan formed in Kingston, Ontario. Yeah, and... There, this is um, an example of when things don't go right, they don't go right. So a Canadian band formed in Kingston. The band found a manager and they started touring the Ontario club scene. They were popular and they were playing to audiences of over 10,000 people. They were the hottest unsigned act around. Um, they changed their name from Concilium to The Blushing Brides in 1979 for a New Year's Eve show in Ottawa. And before long, they were touring with a strong following in the eastern United States. They were signed to a five-year deal with RCA. Their debut album, this one, 1981, um, Unveiled, is produced 
and it produced a couple of singles. Two, yeah. Late in 1981, they decided to distance themselves from their Stones persona and to focus more on their own material. Yeah, you've, I, I got a story, I got a bust, and you glossed over, you missed a whole bunch of stuff. I know, I kind of wrote it over in yeah. the, uh, <laughs> they were actually a cover band. They did covers, uh, Rolling Stones, Bowie, Dylan, Springsteen, Jake Isles. Well, yeah, they got a cover of CCR's Fortunate Son at the end here. At the end of this one, yeah. yeah. So they, um, they decided to distance themselves from their Stones persona and to focus more on their own material, but rehomed, but returned home. The tour had gone poorly. Flipped my page. Mm -hmm. And they were deep in debt and now fighting about musical direction. They all went on unsuccessfully in other directions. <laughs> the band reformed in 1984. They again became popular by playing live shows across eastern Canada and the U.S., playing upwards of 200 shows per year for six years. Uh, the band went in and out of dissolution over the next couple of years, and in 95, they reformed again, calling themselves The Brides. Signed with Strawberry Records, but it wasn't long before they once again went their separate ways. They just could not keep their... Because they never wanted to accept what they were. It was a yeah. fucking cover band. And yeah. I don't go Say, I have no problem with cover bands because, like, we have friends. We've been to a ton of shows with cover bands. Had a great time. Who are amazing musicians. Yeah, exactly. And totally. Our cover bands. It's not that, but these guys never could get their heads out of their ass. It's like, you okay? If you're gonna get signed, then they're gonna want original stuff. They're not gonna want you doing. It. But except the problem is, they they are a cover band and they needed to accept it. And yeah. I actually was reading somewhere that they they actually shit can two of the two yeah, of the, yeah. the members because they want like. It was a fight over originals versus the yeah. covers. Yeah. And when they were successful and touring and doing all that shit, because they were mostly doing covers of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> so, like, that's the thing. If you're going to do that, that's it. Nobody gives a shit about your originals. Go, And the only reason people like some of the originals is because they're a straight fucking ripoff of the, stuff, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you there. That's okay. It's such a weird... The, the uh... producer was Lalal Leopold, and this is his one and only producing credit. No other info could be found about this guy. Yeah. So the track listing, uh, side one, what you talking about, or no, what you talking about. Yeah, what are you talking about. Was one of their singles. What, I was going to say, yeah. Run and Hide, oh, another one of sorry, their singles. Sorry, I want to say right away, when we listened to the first album, when we listened to this the first time, the first time that song came on, I said, that's one of their singles. Yeah. It's quite obvious that it was one of their singles. Yeah. <laughs> and you also said, these guys want to be the Rolling, Rolling Stones, Stones so bad. So fucking bad. Yeah. And there are other hints of other bands there too. ACD. There's one song that's got like a straight up rip off of ACDC guitar riff, and it's just like a repeating thing that goes through the whole thing. Yeah, there's. Yeah. Just be a, a fucking cover band. Just fine. You want to play the ACDC songs? Play the ACDC songs. You want to play the Rolling Stones? You know what? Probably really good that way. But yeah, this half-assed, you know, kind of sounds like bullshit. Oh yeah, and definitely sounds like is is it? It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't sound original at all. No, I'm with you, yeah. Uh, so side one, song three, okay. won't be found. Got to like yourself, can't come back. Side two, lonely boy, foreign supplement, nasty boy, sweet sister, and of course that CCR cover of Fortunate, Fortunate Son, Son, which Doug was talking about. And honestly, it's I, like, it's, it's, eh, I don't it's, remember it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the problem with them. They just don't want to go and... Yeah, it was it was like a forgettable cover. <laughs> <laughs> the runtime of this album was thirty five minutes and ten seconds, and despite the fact that they had a five year record deal, this was really the only album 
uh, that they put out. They did an EP a little bit later, yeah, I, but it was from songs from this album. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. And it never went anywhere yeah. either. <laughs> five years, so that was a five album contract. You got into one one album, and it was shit can. You know, it's not going to go well. Yeah, they that's obviously for sure. didn't. They obviously didn't realize, somebody along the line, the band or the manager just didn't realize what they were. Yeah, and um, the guy who even took over management of him, he turned out he was one of their high school teachers or something. So, yes, yes, yes. I, I mean, I he didn't that. even really no. have the wherewithal to tell them, look, you guys are a cover band. Be a, be a cover band. Be a cover band if you want to make your, you know. So, like, how many albums from the 70s and even the 60s, how many have we done where half of it's covers and half of it's originals? That's exactly what these guys should have done. I know we bitch about it before in the past, but that's exactly what these guys should have done. Well, look at all the half the album have have it the covers of the songs that you like, and then half is the original, original stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you can see, so you have that to fall back on. But people are listening to you for yeah. There's lots of albums from like big artists that we've listened to. Willie Nelson yeah, is Willie, a prime example. <laughs> whole entire catalog, catalog. Yeah, built on. whole albums just <laughs> cover songs. Covers. Yeah. Yeah. In his style, and that's it. Where is little Willie now? <laughs> Living the high life. Living literally. the high life. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> wow. Anyways. So, anyways, yeah, it's just it's just funny. It's just like this band just couldn't get out of, it, out of its own way. Yeah, this album uh, was not. Yeah, I pretty much tuned it out. <laughs> tuned it out. Yeah, it's a great way of putting it because it's just it's a slog because it's the same kind of blues rock stuff that. Once again, like I said, sounds like, but it isn't. And it's not to say they're they're not bad players, nope. not bad not singers. Bad they're 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 solid enough musicians. Nope. It's just just really super mediocre, boring yep. shit. I'm with you in the boring, especially in this. There was one song on the second side that wasn't too bad, but it's that one with the, like the ACDC Rolling Stones combination. But it's because it sounded like something else. And then yeah, yeah, it, it's a it's this meh album for sure. I'm gonna go and check out my uh, notes. my notes, yeah. Yeah, just that was the first thing I thought was wrong. They wanted to be Rolling Stones. That literally everything I've just said. Okay. Okay, so unveiled the Blushing Brides uh, RCA Victor catalog NKL 1 0475. Canada 1982. It's an original pressing. Um, condition the cover, uh, there's just some water damage warping thing going on here. It's not discolored from the water damage, it's just warped from the water damage um there's a bit of a stain on there and of course what do we say about white covers all the time they they just i mean they got the condom ring they got the fade pure white covers if that was like a darker cover it'd be like yeah it looks good and i have to say i love this album cover the cover yeah and i love this band name and i was secretly hoping it was that it was a chick band an all an all woman band for sure i thought blushing brides it was going to be like a, a chick rock band that no one had heard it's gonna be obscure no, totally, and I'm with you. I, I like the cover as well. Uh, you can see it if you go to our Instagram page. It's just the uh, three ladies sitting in wedding dresses getting their hair did. At the hairdresser, yeah. And it's just Under, like a, underneath the dryer. Too, underneath the dryer, yeah, and it's just a, a pure white background and a blushing brides. Like, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, that is a, it's a solid cover. As on the back, you got a little, yeah, and then you, see, you flip it over, you turn it on the back, and it's like, oh, it's a bunch Sausage of- Sausage fest. It's a bunch of armpits, yeah. <laughs> like, God damn it. <laughs> There's so much potential pissed away of this this band. <laughs> let's go back to the 1978 or whatever, 79 in Ottawa. Let's recruit, like, yeah. let's recruit a band full of chicks. Yeah. Call them the Blushing Brides. Put them in that spot. Okay. Uh, Do our own. Yeah. The sleeve, uh, while not ripped, it has some stains of description, which is concerning. I don't know what they are. 
Where's your your blue light or whatever? Paint, I'm hoping. Oh, I wonder if that's just part of... No, you can... Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. Looks like foodstuffs. Yeah, it could be foodstuffs. Fingers yeah, and, and, if, and if so, yeah, exactly. That's been on there for like 35, 40 years. You need to get your special flashlight out. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to know for sure? Well, no, not really. Exactly. Although I doubt this album will ever see the outside of the cover again. Mm-mm. Uh, the sleeve, uh, like I said, just lots of stains, but it's not ripped. And it's like, it's okay outside those mystery stains. Uh, the vinyl's very good. Uh, didn't have any scratches or scuffs. It did a lot of skip at the very end last song, but that's because I think that I just did a poor job of wiping it down as opposed to any sort of real damage. Uh, and the audio, it was it was like it's a solid rock mix. It it had good separation, good stereo mix, but like for what reason? The music was so mediocre. Who gives a shit? Uh, the cover and design by Hugh uh, See Me, yeah, Hugh See Me. I I actually went and looked up to pronounce to pronounce that See Me. Hugh see me and it's just gonna dot com right away. Uh, photography by Deborah Samuel. Uh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> I just kind of stuck all of a sudden. Uh, okay, Deborah Samuel. Um, dot com again. So uh, Hugh, an award-winning Canadian graphic artist and member of the Premier Artist Collection or PAC or PAC, I guess. Uh, best known for his album cover work on rock and metal albums. Um, and at host, it's not too often it says that, at host of a music music buzz podcast. So he's still active. Uh, 276 credits to his name, according to Discogs. I actually think it's more, because I was kind of comparing it to what was going on in, in Wikipedia. And there seemed to be a few more, but they also seem to be different ones. <laughs> so oh. it's a bit weird. Um, he's worked with uh, Rush, Whitesnake, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, Styx, Iron Maiden, Megadeth. And like when I'm talking about those, he's done and like the uh, the Iron Maiden one or the Megadeth one. Those are all like the most well-known front. So like, there's a lot there. He surprises me. And I was just seeing. I don't think that he had been on the show before. He also played keyboards for Rush, Ian Thomas, and uh, on a song in Alice in Chains. Keyboard for Rush. Yeah, yeah, on like Twenty One Twelve, like on a I thought that was a moving picture thing. No, crazy. It's studio stuff, I think. It has to be. Yeah. He, because a, we've seen Rush in concert, and Getty V is their only. Yeah, I think it's in the studio, but I think it's also like um, when Getty's playing, there's probably like synth shit, synth stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. I When I was looking through the collection, it seemed to be that it was studio performances as opposed to anything else. So hmm. even with the Alice in Chains, it's just like one song kind of thing. Cool. So the guy, he won five Junos, and and four out of five are for the Rolling, uh, for Rolling Stones, for Rush. Roll of Bones, Presto, Power Windows, uh, Moving Pictures. So, like, fucking some pretty big ones. And in case you're wondering, Juno is the equivalent Acadian. of an American Emmy. Juno? Yeah, I would say more of an American Grammy. Grammy. <laughs> Grammy, it's music. <laughs> yeah, Emmys are... That would be film, things. yeah. That would be... Grammys. Yeah, no, 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 no. I know it's Grammys, but what would be the Canadian equivalent to the one you were just saying? Would that be the Ge Gemini Awards? Like, do we even have anything like? Yeah, I'm sure we do. Yeah, I'm sure we do. <laughs> Pretty pathetic, anyway. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's quite interesting shit. Um, lots going on there. And with Deb, Canadian photog and, and video director, with 89 credits to her name, on the show previously with the Parachute Club, which is a cool cover, terrible, terrible album. Um, has worked with Fred Penner, Tom Cochran, Glass Tiger, and also Rush. 
So there's that. So sign your pipe and smoke it. And that's it for me. I'm good. I got everything. All right. So Discogs, 31 for sale from $2.18. Mm -hmm. 196 people have this version. Five people want it. It gets rated 4.0 out of 5 with yeah. 17 people voting. Because the person who wrote, um, rated it probably saw them once and they were drunk in 1980. And you're like, yeah, this is freaking good. And then just keep listening to it even though it's crap. Resale value on this album, $3.62. Yep. $6.06 and $9.11 in its best condition. But you know what? I have to say, I mean, I'm not, we're not a huge fan of this music and stuff, but I have to say for the rarity and just like, spectacular flop these guys were you think it'd be worth a bit more well and it just goes to show you that so weird sometimes things are not in the stars yeah. <laughs> so what did you give this album that wasn't in the stars i gave it two out of five yeah and it's funny i end up giving them 2.5 and then just because some of the the like you know they're good singer they're good players there's some good drums and stuff but i think two definitely seems more like thinking about it more and breaking it down I gave them two because they're not a chick band. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't know what they want to be. Yeah, well, they're they're a cover band that refuses <coughs> to be a cover band. So, yeah, give me a two on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna knock that down. I just said it's just it's just another generic blues rock album in the collection. There's so many of these. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, black. Anyways, blushing brides down. All right. So next album number two, Southside Johnny and the Asbury Ju Jukes. Jukes. I have it spelled right there. Okay. Uh, Love is a Sacrifice is what the album is called. Yeah. Uh, this is the second album for John Southside Johnny that we've done. The other one was called The Jukes, uh, and it was produced in 19... or was released in 1979. Yeah. So this is one of the first times that it ends up being chronological. Yeah. Because this was released in 1980. All right. A musical group from the Jersey Shore led by Southside Johnny. They've been recording albums since 1976 and are closely associated with Bruce Springsteen. And when I say closely associated, I mean incestuously, because well, the, yeah. the band members each play it cha each yeah. other's. And, and also with uh, Bon Jovi's band, too. Yes. Because he was part of this and then went on his own, yeah. but he still used the same people. Yeah. Yeah, that New Jersey connection. Um, Love is a Sacrifice is their sixth studio album, released in 1980. Mm -hmm. The producer on this album was a fellow named Billy Rush, who has 45 production credits to his name. In 1979, he took over as the band's co-leader um, and principal songwriter, and he is actually a bass player. Uh, credits mostly this band and others I have never heard of. <laughs> it was co-produced by Johnny Lyon, who is alias Southside Johnny, who has 19 credits to his name, all for Southside Johnny and yeah, the Ash yeah. Ashbury Jukes. So... Interesting that he becomes the co-leader. Uh, track listing side A. Why love when it's strong? <laughs> love when it's strong. Yeah, when it's strong. Love when it's strong. <laughs> Goodbye, love. Murder. Keep our love simple. Side two. Restless heart. Why is love such a sacrifice? On the beach. Long distance. It hurts. Context for this album is before album nineteen seventy nine. Having a Party, the After Albums, Better Days, 1991. Hmm. So a really big yeah. space in time there. Yeah, yeah. I, 79 I, to 91 between albums. I think it was 80 to 90, but still, yeah, 10 years. Yeah, there was a gap of 10 years, and then they yeah. started doing shit again. Uh, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, just going through the notes and stuff. It's funny because we've talked about them on the show before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't care about their style. We, of, once we again, we probably are going to say the same say, things yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then. There's nothing because there's nothing really changes. And actually, I, the one change I will say was that although it's still really kind of blues rock, like all that shit Springsteen coming out of New Jersey, this one to me sounded more like they got into Elvis Costello and they're like, I want, we want to do what he's doing, but not all the way. Yeah. Because there's a lot of very odd Elvis Costello shit, including actually the guitar and rhythms. The vocals. The vocals. Yeah. Holy shit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very, very all Elvis Costello. And yeah, I still didn't like it, but uh, I will say that Why Is Love Such a Sacrifice? Definitely, we knew, we you should know that song too. That one got some radio play. I knew that one. I mean, it doesn't mean I like it, but I still was familiar with it. Um... And to me, like I, I actually have written down, it's just more the generic '70s rock. Honestly, this shit just all runs together, and it's so boring. I think that was the problem after the first album. This one just kind of picked up and continued on. So instead of sounding like the shitty Rolling Stones, it sounds like shitty Elvis Costello. So all these shitty. Yeah, because they really didn't have the. The. They don't have the writing skill. The writing style yeah. that Elvis Costello had. They were just trying to mimic his sound and. Yeah. And his uh, voice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In my opinion, that's what it—that's what it comes across as, and it's really weird. Yeah, it just, just like you said, so boring. Did you say how long the album was again? Yeah, I did. No, you did, and it just. Oh no, I didn't. Oh. Hmm. It was like it was close to forty, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's okay. It's not that big of a deal. I just—it was too long. Was my was what I was gonna say. <laughs> it was forty minutes too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you got anything to add to that? It's really the same. No, again, another album that pretty much, you know, two songs in. We made the odd comment about it, but it was just like in one era or the other. Yeah, very much so, yeah. So, Love is a Sacrifice. Uh, South Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. Uh, Mercury Records, catalog SRM-1-3836. Canada, 1980. This is an original pressing. Uh, condition the cover is faded and worn once again we got to a, a white cover so you're going to see a lot of this shit there's not ripped the good corners but the problem is besides the condom ring is actually you can see quite a bit of mold now, i've disinfected these albums every time i take the albums out the covers out i disinfect them but there's quite a bit of mold hits there still so that's that kind of sucks it shows up like i mean other if it wasn't for that i would still be i'd give it in a good to very good condition um sleeve uh, let's see here Printed original, that's good condition. Got lyrics there, that's that's, that's good. The vinyl's in very good condition. It's clean, uh, scuff-free from what I could see. And just like the other ones, and I'll say this about all of them. Oh, right by the window too, classic. <laughs> Still not gonna edit that out though. Oh yeah, get it in there. Was he in the fucking garden or something? Oh, it looks like it. Holy shit. I think he is in the garden. This is wild, well. Fuck, so much for those flowers there, covering well, up all the cat poo. The deer was eating them. Oh, wow, this is wild, you guys. We had a deer up on, the, up on our garden right this next to our window. This makes me so sad. Yesterday, who was trying... We have a cactus plant on the inside of our window, and he was trying to eat it through the glass. Yeah. Or she. <laughs> she, uh, she. And then something startled her, and she... She scooted so quickly that she left her ass print yeah, on our window. I'm quite happy she didn't kick the glass. I know, because I it, was... It's the whole thing, like... Yeah, it would have just... Yeah. yeah. It would have been bad. So it was kind of an interesting... I uh, can't believe you did that to the garden. ...goings on yesterday. I can't wait to check it out. Oh, it's a massacre. Once it goes away. Ugh. 
I know. Oh, fuck. Where was I? <laughs> okay, the audio, anyways, the, the audio on the album was okay. There was nothing, there was nothing that stood out about any of these mixes on these albums. None of them were bad. They just, you know, you know, yeah, it was okay. Design, designed by Bob Heimel. Uh, photo by John Paul Endress. Uh, Bob, painter, art director, photog, has been on the show previously with The Doors 13, The Doors' weird scenes inside the gold mine, uh, and he did Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, the Jukes album, so the last time they... So, these, yeah, the last cover. Last cover on here. Um, <clears throat> has also worked with Queen and Patti Smith. So uh, check oh. out, yeah, he's, he's got lots of stuff. And then John, an American photog with 55 credits to his name, uh, he's been on the show with the Jay Giles Band live. Worked with Taj Mahal, Holland Oates, and Philip Glass. I'm surprised there's not any Philip Glass in this collection. It seems like exactly the kind of thing that would be in here. <laughs> well, and it's not necessarily a bad thing because I like some of it, but it just what you know, the Tangerine Dreams yeah. and the uh, Keith Emerson soundtrack, stuff like that. It yeah. just it seems like it would fit in here quite a bit. Um. Yeah, kind of plowing through this one. There's not as much, ironically, there's not as much interesting shit about this one. It's not an interesting album at all. I will say, though, I do, once again, like the other one, I do like the cover of this album. Um, the only thing I would change is just a black and white, and it's like a close-up of a, uh, like a woman's face, but she's got like a lip piercing, I think. That's what that is. Or she's chewing on a nail, something. Because yeah, it's like a black and white. I really like this, The Love is a Sacrifice for the title of the album. That's a great font and everything. Get rid of this bullshit, this Southside Johnny shit. Get that off there. Put this up here. Yeah. Or put that across the mouth somewhere. Well, I kind of like it where it is because it's sort of, um, the way it's placed, it's not straight across. It's kind of... Oh, yeah, like, I wouldn't have it straight, yeah, but I was... So I'd probably leave it where it is, but get rid of... Get that, rid of that blue. That blue. Yeah. We don't need it. That'd be way, it's way more interesting without that on there. And like I said, I like the font on Sacrifice, too. It's yeah, like, I do, uh, So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks to playing White Back. See, that's simple. Like, just too bad the album sucks. <laughs> um, I got nothing else. That's you. All right. So Discogs has seven for sale from $6.01. One, uh, 152 people have it. Five people want it. 3.25 out of five with 12 ratings. Hmm. Uh, resale value four dollars and thirty two cents, five dollars and thirteen cents, and six dollars and four cents. In its best condition. Mm -hmm. Oh, the runtime on this album too yeah. was thirty six oh three. Thirty six oh a little shorter yeah. than I thought. It seemed like forever. Yeah. All right, so I gave it one out of one point five out of five. Yeah, and I gave it a two, just like <laughs> you know, it's got that one song. Once again, it's it's like a lot of these albums. It, they're not bad musicians at all. They're, no, no. They're very, all very talented, competent people just making just like... Or else they wouldn't be making albums. Boring music. Yeah, yeah or, exactly. Yeah. yeah, if they weren't competent musicians. Yeah. So it's a, it's a catch-22 um, when it comes to that because it's like, ah. It's just not my cup of tea. Nope. And I'm tired of listening to them all. Self-side Johnny Down. Get rid of that guy. Okay, right. last. So the last one, Harry Nilsson, son of Schmilson. Harry Nilsson, known professionally as Nilsson, uh, was an American singer-songwriter who achieved the peak of his commercial success in the early 70s. He was one of the few major pop rock recording artists 
to achieve significant commercial success without ever performing major public concerts or doing regular tours. Mm -hmm. In 1968, the Beatles were asked what their favorite American group was, and their answer was Nilsson. He soon became friends with Lennon and Starr. After John Lennon was shot, he became an anti-handgun activist. Um, Nilsson died in 1994 of a heart attack while working on a recording of his, what was to be his last album called Lost and Found. Son of Schmilson was his eighth studio album released in 1972. It was supposed to be a follow-up to his hugely successful album uh, previously um, that he did, Nilsson Schmilson. Um, and, uh, but instead it was more of an eccentric piece of work. Ringo Starr, George Harrison, and Peter Frampton all appear on this album. There were a, a few singles released from this album, Spaceman and Remember Christmas. Um, and he also, he's also pretty famous for, you'll know his work, Gotta Get Up, which mm -hmm. is used now in, what is that? TV show. Oh, shit, it's on Netflix. It's Russian so, Dolls. Russian Doll, yeah. Uh, Without You, a big song. The Coconut Song, Coconut, a big yeah. song. Uh, Jump Into the Fire, which is one of my all-time favorites yeah, of his. great song. And they're all from the previous album that was so successful. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> he also did a little animated film called The Point in 1971, which came out before his big album hit. Yeah. Which is another thing that I you definitely, absolutely yeah. love about him. Hey, I mean, even me, like, I mean, we all remember the point. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I was never uh, a huge fan of his. I know those songs that you all mentioned, and I definitely remember the point. I guess it's a certain age. <laughs> Only old people remember that. Well, for me, I think Nilsson was, I, I was trying to explain this to you yesterday, how I feel like he's, to me, he's a unicorn. Mm -hmm. Because he never did concerts. He was just always out there doing yeah. really cool stuff. and Yeah, the concert thing is, is pretty cool. It's, um... I've just always really, really felt a warm affinity to him. Mm -hmm. So, one of my uh, favorite artists. Yeah. Uh, the producer of this album was Richard Perry, who's got nine hundred ninety or 696 <laughs> producing uh, credits to his name. Done a few, has he? Captain Beefheart, Tiny Tim, Ooh. Fats Domino, Ella Fitzgerald, Johnny Mathis, Barbara Streisand, and just like the list of famous if... people goes on and on and so on. So another uh, um, artist that should be in the collection is Tiny Tim. That just seems like it would fit in there. Yeah. And then i got to say, we're not done yet, so who knows? <laughs> Tiny Tim. Oh. The track listing on this song. And this album kind of sounds to me like it was a, a Broadway production. A rock opera. Yeah. So side no, one. Hold on a sec. You know what it fucking reminds me of, and it's not that... But you know what it reminds me of? Just just looking at the whole package. It's just like the, that whole thing he was doing in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where he was making the rock opera with oh, the puppets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is what this reminds me of so much. And I don't know why. Maybe because he's dressed up like a Dracula on the front or something. Or just the style of it. But it just it reminds me of that scene, the scene where he's like sitting there trying to do all this. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> and then his, his rock opera becomes Big Hit. Big Hit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, track listing, side one, take 54, remember Christmas, joy, turn on your radio, you're breaking my heart, side two, spaceman, the lottery song, at my front door, ambush, I'd rather be dead, and the most beautiful world in the world. <laughs> the runtime of this album is 3907. 
Uh, for context, his before album was 1971's Nilsson Schmilson, mm-hmm. um, and his after, A Little Touch of Smilson in the Night, um, 1973. Oh, wow. <coughs> yeah, just looking at the songs again, like, I definitely know you're breaking my heart. Like, pretty much, I'm pretty sure everybody knows that song. That's a, that's a good song. It's a really good song. It's probably my favorite. I don't, Spaceman, it's weird. It's a big hit, but I don't recall ever hearing it before. Mm-hmm. And when we listen to it, it doesn't sound familiar. But, uh, yeah, Breaking Your, You're Breaking My Heart is definitely going to end up on our playlist. I actually kind of forgot about it for a while, but that one always makes me laugh. Um, and the rest of them are just... The thing is, for me, he's... I don't know why the songs in this one. And, of course, the album beforehand was one with the hits on it. That's like this entire collection's fucking <laughs> tombstone. All the hits were on the album before. <laughs> this fucking collection is so weird. B-sides. Um... <laughs> Right. <laughs> so yeah but the thing is and I, I appreciate because uh, like I said I like a lot of his stuff but the good thing for him in this album is that it came with two other just fucking turd albums so it immediately seems better he can he's a good player he's a great songwriter but just, just for me on here there's not quite enough for like uh, by, I get bored I'm bored by the last half of it mm-hmm just because like I, I have heard it and I appreciate it and his like his lyrics and everything, but man, just with this other stuff, it's just just bored. <laughs> and like I said, it's not to say that I think he's boring and not a good uh, musician or whatever. That's all. That's not true at all. Oh but no, no, definitely. I think maybe I just had more hopes for this album when I saw it. I'm like, okay, it's going to be better. Yeah, because we're both thinking of Nilsson Schmilson, not Son of so, Yeah, or like of it could, there's a couple of them, but the one before is for sure. But it's like, yeah, you know, and like I said, though, there's nothing wrong with it. And I'll add a couple of songs to our list. But yeah, it's just, it's it's weird. And, and for you, have you, did you have this one growing up or? No, did not. Hmm. Had others. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Yeah. But I did not have this one. Uh, one thing I will mention, too, again, is, uh, and I'll talk about it. I love the cover. Not just do I love the cover. Um, I, I love the font on this one as, as well. Yeah. Because it's just like that drippy font, but they also have it, all the all the font is like that too. Yeah, on the back, it's yeah. So I really like that stuff. I like the the, the design of everything. And <clears throat> this is one that I will probably listen to again on my headphones. Yeah, I, that you know what it probably be, a, and not to say I sounded fantastic like on the app and everything, but uh, yeah, this is to me this is more one of those kinds of albums. It's more yeah. like headphones doing something else. Yeah, it's, I just want to get kind of more of an essence of it. Yeah. And really listen to the lyrics. And, and I think that's another thing that for, with an album like this and, and Harry Nielsen's writing is that you kind of do need to listen to it more. Where we're only doing it a couple times and trying to absorb as much. And I think it would probably play better with more more listens, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What else you got? Anything else there you want to add? Nope. Okay. Son of Schmilson. Harry Nielsen. Uh, RCA Records. A... YL1-3812, Canada, 1980. The 1980 is on this, this is a reissue. It's a part of the Best Buy series. Uh, so it's And not Best Buy. Not Best Buy, it's in the store. the store. They just had a series from RCA back in the day where they do remasters of hit, hit albums, I guess. Um, in condition, the cover is very good like new. Honestly, it's one of the better ones. The only, the only little iffy part is the tiny corner, the corner here, but great condition. 
uh, sleeve. Unfortunately, it's, just a, it's a regular plastic, plain. It's not the original. The vinyl, once again, very good, like new, and like everything else, also needs a better, like a really good cleaning. Uh, the audio, once again, it's a solid mix. It's not with Harry, Harry Nelson. It's not a big bombastic fucking guitars and drums everywhere. It's like a, he's just like him and a piano a lot of times and yeah. his lyrics. So uh, they're it, quiet albums. It's a quiet album. It yeah. does it does a good mix, but it's not a it's not a one I would use for um, reference or to test anything. It's it's good, but yeah. Like I as I said earlier, they're all the mixes of this this episode are good, um, but. So, a cover photo by Michael Potland, it's all michaelpotland.com, and a back photo by Paul Misso. So, uh, Mike, an American photog and founder of Retina Picture Agency, has 313 credits to his name, including John Mayall, T-Rex, The Rolling Stones, and Elton John. Uh, he hadn't been on the show before, which kind of surprises me. And I looked through... I'd look through manually. Uh, Paul has four credits, including this and uh, an album or a band called The Soft Machine, and then a couple of like weird compilation albums and whatever. Didn't write them down. I will say the cover features a photo of Nielsen dressed, <laughs> dressed Dracula-like in George Harrison's house in Friar Park. That's uh, the, apparently the main staircase in, in George Harrison's house, which is I'm probably sure it was like a, a giant fucking palace mansion thing. Yeah, it looks like there's a lot of wood and... Oh, stained glass. Stained glass, yeah. That was probably all perfect like... perfect place for a shot like that. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just black and white, so yeah. It's, oh, yeah, it's a pretty cool cover. Another good cover. Um, yeah, that's it. All right. Yep. So, Discogs, five for sale from $5. 177 people have it. 47 people want it. It gets four out of five with 14 people voting. The resale value, $5.86, $8.25, and $12 in its best condition. Uh, because of my affinity for him, I gave it a three out of five. Yeah, I gave it a three as well. And it's not because of affinity, just because, A, apparently it was definitely the best album of the three. Oh, yeah, by the way, best album of three. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the best album of three for me as well. It sounds good. He's a he's a better writer than the, any of the other bands. Like it's just it's it's all that. And I wouldn't necessarily I'd grab one or two songs off this and put them on a list. I would never go back to this album, but I definitely appreciate what he what he does. Yeah, and I've, I would listen to more of his others. Probably the one before this. Yeah, yeah. With all the fucking good songs. On yeah, it. I would listen to this one again only because of who it is. Yeah. And I want to. And I agree with what you were what you're gonna say about wanting to like digest it yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just to kind of hear this. You know, his lyrics and what his lyrics are about on this album. And yeah, that makes sense. The, what, the song that intrigues me most is The Most Beautiful World in the World. Most Beautiful World in the World. But there we go. Um, so, yeah, that was my best of three albums for this episode yeah. as well. Okay. And I got up and looked, and just so everybody, to give everybody an update, we have had the big garden call out in front oh, of our apartment. That's so sad. Our landlord has taken... I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him why he did that. Cause he's taken the lawnmower up into our garden and mowed down all the flowers just between our bush and the bush for the next door neighbors. Oh, that's so lame. Yeah. I like having that stuff there. So it covers up the cat crap. I wonder if maybe he just thinks that the deer sleep there, so he may as well... Well, I, I like I said, I'll talk, I'll talk to him. Anyways, thank, thanks for listening to the show. It's, <laughs> it's been an adventure. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Okay. Uh, oh, I just want to say, if you guys have any comments, 
Drop us a line somewhere. Twitter, yeah. here, Twitter, wherever. Drop us a line. Okay, later. Bye. Oh, thank you.